Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks, to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I'm so excited about our episode today. Today's episode is uh, really personal for me as a 12, 13-year-old kid growing up in a poor part of uh, South London, Peckham. I would uh, run home from school every evening and... uh, do my homework, have a little dinner, and immerse myself in reading, devouring, to be honest, self-help books. I read hundreds of them. Uh, one of them that really inspired me as a 12-year-old kid was a book called The Dragon Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And uh, just had this sort of fantasy of these authors, you know, in California, writing these books. And it was my dream to to come to, to the U.S. and go into this field. And uh, the book, The Dragon Doesn't Live Here Anymore, really inspired me. I got to meet the author... Uh, amazing author about a year ago at the Transformational Leadership Council uh, conference, biannual uh, meeting, and it was uh, just uh, such a privilege to meet him and shake his hand and give him a big hug and just let him know what an inspiration his book was in my life at that age. Uh, He's an author of 27 inspirational books, best-selling author, A Deep Breath of Life, uh, a book I haven't read. are you as happy as your dog, which I need to check out, and uh, uh, just uh, an amazing human being. Welcome to the Soul Talk podcast, the amazing Alan Cohen. Alan, welcome. Thank you, Cute. What a what an honor to be here. I'm so grateful. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a real, honestly, for me, it's personal. It's a real pleasure to have you on, and just so thrilled to to be able to to meet you. Uh, uh, about a year ago, and to have you on the Soul Talk podcast, it's, it's definitely a dream. Um, just, you know, for those that may not, you know, I'm excited to share you with my community and your work and your seminars and your teachings. I mean, you've been teaching for many, many years. Just kind of a short sort of check-in to set a context for those uh, listening in, then I want to dive into some some real juicy questions here. But But just, you know, what was your path to being a sort of transformational, spiritual, personal development author. I mean, everyone has a different path. I mean, I've had Jack Campbell on, he had his path, and, you know, uh, Marianne had her path, Michael Beckwith, and so I'm just curious, was were your parents into this field? Was it, was it pain that drove you? Was it a heartbreak? I mean, everyone seems to have their story, so I'm wondering how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Uh, there's always been a part of me that realized there has to be more. Uh, I remember even mm. when I was a kid, I said to one of my buddies, wouldn't it be funny if we were all dead and just dreaming we're alive? Um, and actually, many years later, I think I might have been closer to the truth than I realized. Uh, but uh, when, I was, when I was 13 years old, I, I, I was Jewish and I... I vowed that I would never go to a synagogue again after my bar mitzvah. 
and I received an invitation to a youth brunch. And I tell you, there was no reason for me to go. There was, there was nothing in my mind that said, do this. But something in my gut said, go. And there I met a young rabbi who had a, a real relationship with spirit. I mean, this guy lived from his heart, and he, he touched my soul. And I realized that there was so much more to life than I was living as a sort of a gawky, pimply teenager. And so I, I, I joined Orthodox Judaism for about seven or eight years, and it gave me a wonderful foundation. But the point is that um, I've always been reaching for more, and I've always attracted these amazing teachers and healers and gurus. And it's, it's just been, there was no one dramatic turning point, but there was something in me that said, um, you know, you must make the most of this life and, and don't stay asleep anymore. Although I do sleep a lot, but I mean, I, I keep waking yeah. up a lot as well. And, and so uh, it's just been a very guided, graceful, gradual evolution that I feel it's, it's a destiny I signed up for, which has always kept me on, on course. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. Was, there, was there a moment in Ireland where you made a decision like, okay, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to do this for real. I'm going to, you know, because I think a lot of people may be listening in, maybe they, they, they feel a calling to coach or teach or write, but maybe they're afraid for some reason. Did there come a moment where you said, I'm, I, 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 this, is, this is my career. This is, this is, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to launch. When I, I wrote that book that you mentioned, The Dragon Doesn't Live Anymore, I was, I was doing yoga and meditation and playing the guitar and just kind of living a very gentle life. Mm. And then one morning I woke up and this voice said, write. And mm. um, I didn't want to. And I said, I don't want to. And the voice said, that wasn't one of the questions. <laughs> and so I, so I, I sat down. I didn't know what I was writing. Uh, I, I was teaching a yoga, yoga class at the time. And I thought I was writing some notes for the little lesson I would give. But this writing took me over, and it, it became, you know, like Wayne Dyer said, uh, motivation is when you take hold of an idea, but inspiration is when an idea takes hold of you. And so these ideas started ramming through my brain, and I just wrote for 10, 12, 14, 16 hours a day for many, many months. And after a while, I realized this was a book. And it was the first thing I did, Coot, that I was 100% committed to. Like, I had to get it right. I had to, I had to be honest about what I was saying. It had to work. And so I, I just made a super effort to package it with love and integrity and honesty and launch it. And I, I gave it to about, I don't know, half a dozen publishers. And they all went thumbs down. And I said, well, heck with them. I'll publish it myself. And so my mother loaned me $5,000, which is her life savings. Wow. She said, here, go run with the ball. And I remember going to, that, to her safe deposit box, and she just took out all of her cash. And mm -hmm. she said, I don't understand what you're writing, but I believe in you. And, wow. um, you know, the book became a bestseller. And a few months later, I was back at the safe deposit box with the paying her back with interest. And uh -huh. she said, oh, go ahead, you take it anyway. You'll, you'll get it when I die, so you might as well enjoy it. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, it was a turning point in that um, it was something that was bigger than me that took me over. 
and something that I devoted myself to 100% in service of it. And then that was, you know, everything in my life changed after that. Mm, I love it. I love it. Did you, did you, I'm curious, did, did you have a sense it was going to be a bestseller? I mean, cause you said you didn't know what you were writing. Did you have, did you feel like, Oh, this is going to be a bestseller or were you just living, you know, following your heart, following your soul? What, 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 I had I had no idea, no intention what would happen to it. I hope people will read it, but I really didn't care. I, I was doing what I had to do because I had to do it. Something was pushing me from the inside out like a baby that had to come out. And so it was with complete non-attachment. I, my job was to make it as strong and clear as I could. And after that, it was up to the universe. So it was kind of a miracle that it became a bestseller, but... That was really secondary to my intention to write with integrity and service. Got it. God, that's beautiful. I felt like your your heart was really coming from service. You, you're triggering a question, Alan. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talking, you know, spiritual self-help, personal development, creating your own reality, manifesting your, your own reality. So I'm wondering what your guidance, what your thoughts, what your philosophy is today at this stage of your life in terms of, you know, I was speaking to someone about it the other day, but how much of your life do you feel we are in control over? How much of your life do you feel you plan, you make happen? How much, and how much do you just sort of like go with the flow? I mean, do, do, do you believe in planning? Do you subscribe to that school? Do you just subscribe people just to just flow with life and allow life to just reveal itself, you know? What, what are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. Uh, I'm a believer in, in de- believer in destiny, and um, mm. I believe that on a very deep level, at a soul level, uh, we choose our life. Um, I also believe that a con- at a conscious level, we have to do the work to match our soul's intentions. So, is it free will? Yes. Is it is it um, is it destiny? Yes. It, it, it's a paradox. So um, what I do, Coot, is I, I, I move with the energy. I go with my guidance. I trust. I flow. That's probably the larger part of my life. But when I have an idea, I run with the ball, and I'm meticulous in the details. So if I'm organizing a program or coaching or I'm writing a book, uh, my job is to be responsible to make it as, as as integrous and quality and perfect as possible. And then uh, I flesh it out with the tools and skills I have. So ultimately, it's a beautiful combination. It's a dance of spiritual guidance and earthly follow-through. I love it. Spiritual guidance, earthly follow-through. I just made a note that you inspired. It's almost like you meet the flow with great excellence. You know, that, that's... Oh, that's well stated. I, yeah, beautifully stated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. Got it. How do you, you know, sometimes it's really hard, Adam, I think, to... to we have these dreams and this, this idea, right, of how we want our book to, to do, to sell, the project, the relationship. And so we get attached. And I heard you say a key word, like you didn't have an attachment to how it would do. You just said, I'm going to produce the best thing I can. How does someone cultivate that? I guess non-attachment. I mean, is, is there anything 
you can advise because it, I think it can be so hard. You know, maybe we care so much, we want it so much. Uh, give, give, give us some thoughts there. Yeah, that's kind of a more mature uh, way of working. Um, I, I, I have a book out. It's, it's a novel called Linden's Last Life. And I, I wrote a screenplay mm. for it. And I was really hopeful that it would turn into a movie. And I shopped it, and I got some really nice compliments on it. I actually had one star that was willing to to play, but uh, it eventually it did not materialize. And I was disappointed because uh, I wanted it to be a movie. And so I went for a coaching session with a teacher named Bashar. I don't know if you're familiar with Bashar, but oh, he's, yeah. a good, he's a good yeah. spiritual guy. And I said, you know, why why didn't my, my screenplay come to pass? And he said, well... Did you enjoy writing it? Yes. Was it a creative adventure for you? Did the juices of life flow through you while you were writing? Yes, yes, yes. He said, well, then it was a success. And so what he was saying was you, you, you act from the deepest place you can and you follow joy as much as possible and the rest is in God's hands. He said the real, the real reward is in the process of aliveness that you're experiencing while you're doing something. After that, it's in God's hands. And who knows, maybe it'll still become a movie one day. It's possible. But, you know, I I have lots of books out. Some of them sell a lot. Some of them don't sell that much. Uh, But it's not my business. You know, when I've written something, I really don't care about what I've written. I'm on to the next thing. So my, my commitment is to stay true to my spiritual creativity and on the leading edge of my aliveness. And if I do that, I'm happy and I can sleep well at night. When I sell out on that in any way, I don't sleep well and I wish I could do it over again. So, um, you know, you launch and then you release. My part is to launch. Once I release, it's in God's hands. Mm, Launch and release. (laughs) I like that. That sounds like a book, Alan. Launch and release. <laughs> you know, I, um, I I heard an interview, an audio interview with uh, the mission control director for for um, uh, SpaceX after they launched one of the rockets recently, and he said, you know, the truth is, he said, mission control is kind of an oxymoron. He says, you launch, and after that, you have very little control. So he said, after that, you just have to keep your fingers crossed and trust. So. Um, launch and release. What about working through inevitable fear, I think, that comes up from this whole idea of releasing, this whole idea of surrendering or or letting go of control? I mean, you know, obviously we control because we're in fear. and, uh, And so I think many of us feel the fear and we obviously just allow the fear to take over or Right, you think that's right. who we are. So, how, how do you, how, how did you deal, and 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 how can people uh, work through that fear so they don't let it hijack their life? Great question. Um, there's this Christian song. I sometimes I listen to Christian music. I don't consider myself an official Christian, but some of the concepts mm. um, I, I resonate with. And there's a song called "Fear Is the Liar." Fear is the liar. And I've been working on this for about six months now, Coot. And um, every time a fear comes up, I remember that fear is a liar. And I ask myself, 
what is the lie that this fear is perpetrating? I'm not going to have enough money. I'll be alone. Somebody won't like me. I'm not as smart as people think I am. Blah, 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 blah. And I recognize the lie and I ask myself, what is the truth that that fear is covering? And once I realize that I am supported, I am lovable, I am in integrity, and you know, at a rock bottom foundational level, all is well and all fear is a lie. And that's really helped me to move through fear lately, Coot. Uh, so what I do is I hear the fear, thank you for sharing, and I move ahead anyway. And it's always, always, always revealed that that fear was just like a boogeyman going booga, 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 but it didn't really stop me. It had, it had no substance. It had no reality. It had no power. It was just a trick of the mind that I refused to play along with. So, so you, you don't deny it. You, you, so you hear the fear, acknowledge it, but you don't let it stop you. Yeah. You just take the action. Yes. To God. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I choose not to play. Uh, my teacher used to have a metaphor. She would say, the dogs bark and the caravan moves on. Mm-hmm. And it's a cool metaphor because the caravan is I much like bigger it. than the dogs. And the, mm-hmm. the dogs do not have the power to stop the caravan from moving on. They can howl and make their noise, but the caravan is heading where it's heading and the dogs can stay and bark if they want. That's so true. You reminded me, I, I walked the Camino uh, about 15, 16 years ago, and there came a point on this, you know, the 900-kilometer trek on the, walking the Camino where there's one little town where there's all these dogs, and uh, the only way through the town is through the dogs. And I was uh-huh, uh-huh. the dogs, and, 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 I, and they were barking. I, don't know, I, just, I had to go, I mean, I walked 600 kilometers, you know, what am I going to do, turn around? And so I had to walk through, and they just kind of, they kept barking. They didn't stop, and just, you know, I'm still alive. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I I hear you. I hear you. Great metaphor. Like, Love it. Love it. Yeah. When, what, I mean, I'm sure, you know, from launching your best-selling book, um, became a bestseller, there must have been times where maybe not, you know, maybe you felt like giving up because sometimes life is just challenging and uh, there's ups and downs, maybe personally, career-wise. Were there times you felt like giving up? I'm curious. If so, you know, what, what, what kept you moving? What kept you going? I mean, I heard you say, you know, doing it for the love, the joy, the aliveness. But still, I mean, there, there must be moments where you felt like giving up. And no? Yes? Uh, I, I never felt like giving up in my career or my, my spiritual path. That's been one of constant mm. reward. Um, the mm-hmm. only time in life when I felt fairly discouraged was um, my partner and I moved to a very rural area of Hawaii. And um, there's a lot of, there were a lot of pigs around, a lot, a lot of uh, wild pigs. And the day after we moved in, we heard um, these hunters with their dogs, uh, hunting dogs, uh, hunting pigs, and we could hear the dogs uh, tearing the pigs to shreds while the pigs were screaming oh. in agony. 
And I thought, oh, man, this is a horrible place to live, um, the earth. You know, if if stuff like that happens, I really don't want to be a part of it. And it was Mm. the only time in life when I felt like, oh, this is just a nasty place. And the voice Mm. said, well, you know, you can give up if you want, but you Mm. just got to push on. And I, you know, I just pushed on and... um, there was a lot of death around there. I, I haven't really, you know, spent a lot of time with death in my life. When you live, when you live way out in the country, we were the guests in nature. There were geckos and frogs and horses and ducks. I mean, you know, name it. We were, you know, human beings were the minority. We were definitely in their neighborhood. And you yeah. see a lot of stuff dying. And I had to think, you know, like that's that's really sucks, but. But it was just, uh, I couldn't let it get me down. I, I just decided I, I, it wasn't worth it to give up because of that. So I just pushed on and, mm. you know, I'm still here. I, I got over that. And so I guess we all have our moments when we think, is it really worth being here? Yeah. Uh, but, but then, you know, there's so many things that do make it worth being here that the mm. scary stuff kind of takes a backseat to our higher purpose. Mm. You, you kept moving. You kept moving through. Well, yeah, I, I, I ah. couldn't be a quitter. I, I couldn't give up. I just, you know, I had too many beautiful purposes in my life to stop. And so wow. I'm glad I did. I'm still here. And I'll be here as long as I'm supposed to be here. You know, it's, it's in yep. God's hands. And, you know, you just you just have to extract the juice out of life. What did Thoreau say? Yeah. You know, suck the marrow out of life. And, and just, you know, find beauty in our relationships and in our relationship with higher power and, and in our spiritual purpose and our form of service and our creativity. I mean, those noble things uh, make mm-hmm. my life worthwhile. They, they transcend the, yes. the physical challenges. Yes. What if someone listening to this call, uh, this podcast, Alan, says, okay, you know, it's great for you. You had a purpose, you know, you were writing books. You, there's this thing you felt a destiny with. But Alan, I, I, I don't feel passionate about anything. I don't have a spouse. I don't have any kids. I don't have a pet. I have a job I hate. So I, I, I don't really know what I love. I'm not particularly, you know, specialized or gifted in, in any one thing. So I don't have a freaking purpose. Yeah, I hear that a lot. People call into my radio show and ask me that. And so uh, my 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 strength, Coot, is that I know that everyone has a passion and purpose. This is my knowing. It's it's not a it's not negotiable. It's it's not a question mark in my mind. But we do get disconnected from our passion and purpose. So when somebody says I have no passion and purpose. I just don't believe them, and I reinterpret it as, okay, you've, got, you've kind of drifted from it. So then I asked them, if you had an afternoon or a weekend to do just something fun, if it had nothing to do with your cosmic purpose or your career or your relationship, what would you do? And they say, well, I would mm-hmm. walk in the woods, and I'd play with my dog, and I'd play my guitar. I say, great. Now, then I, I play with them. I say, okay, God is giving me a message. The Lord God of the universe is now telling me to tell you what to do. 
Really? Do you have a pen? <laughs> yeah. You want to write it down? Yeah. Are you ready? I milk it for about a minute. I say what God okay. wants you to do. You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, okay, okay. God wants you to walk in the woods and uh-huh. play your guitar and play with your dog. <laughs> and, and the point, and the idea is that if we can just be honest about the little things that bring us some degree of peace or aliveness, then we kind of build a pipeline to that place inside us that's already passionate. And when you start to trust acting on those quote little things, they actually build a muscle that gets you in touch with your greater passion. So when it's time to decide who to marry or whether to have a baby or what career to take, where to live, then you you can tap like an oil pipeline into that reservoir where your passion is already living. I like I like what you said. Being honest about the little things. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Begin there. Good, good, good points there. Yeah, really good points. I'm just digesting that, folks. So as you listen to this uh, conversation, the amazing Alan Cohen, hope you're taking lots of notes. What little things can you follow? Intuitions, guidance, passions, inspirations, things you love. Move in that direction. Um, in terms of, I've been, I've been reflecting on this, this concept, um, acceptance and um, surrender and acceptance has been a theme lately that I've been sitting with and just meditating mm. on. Um, it feels like at some moment, you know, all roads seem to lead to surrender. And we'd love to hear your thoughts about something. I'm going to try to put into a question. I'm going to articulate in a way. But how does someone know when... So, so if they're in a situation, how do they know, okay, now's the moment I surrender and just allow, or now is a moment to fight for something? Because I think sometimes when people mm-hmm. hear, look at misconception, you know, just be in acceptance, be in acceptance. And so I think sometimes people think it's, it's, it's a passive thing, right? Oh, be in acceptance, but I'm right. gonna, you know, I'm gonna, and what's the difference between acceptance and, let's say, being a victim, acceptance and not taking mm. responsibility, you know, acceptance and being, you know, lazy. And I'm just, well, I'm mm. just accepting that I'm fat and I'm unhealthy and I'm broke and I'm, you know, have no money. I'm, I'm in acceptance of it. And, and so I guess guide us there a little bit in, in terms of this, this idea of what, <laughs> what, what, what true surrender, true acceptance yeah. really means and looks like. Another great question. Thank you. There's a thing called the Tao, which Mm. Lao Tzu wrote about 2,500 years ago. And the idea is that there's a stream of energy that is flowing through the universe, and it's good. Uh, George Lucas renamed it the Force. Mm. It's it's all the same. And, And so when you're moving with the Force, it does work for you that you can't do for yourself. If, if you keep banging your head against the wall and hit, hitting dead ends, you're probably not moving with a force. So you're not hitting a dead yes. end, but you're, but you're really being redirected. And your spirit is saying, 
you know, what you're doing is not working. Doing more of it's probably not going to work any better. Is there something mm-hmm. else you could be doing that would work better? Mm-hmm. And so we have to be really honest about where life force is taking us. Where Where is the river of life taking us? Um, and, you know, a great deal of trust has to happen. I'm a Course in Miracles student. And one of my favorite lessons for the Course is trust would settle every problem now. Trust would settle every problem now. So, you know, can I trust that even though I bang my head against the wall, that I can head in a different direction and something better might happen? Um, It's a subtle thing. It's a great question. Someone asked um, uh, Ernest Hemingway, should I be a writer? And he said, if anything can stop you, let it. Hmm. Meaning that if you have a true destiny and passion for writing, your life force, your fire of purpose will be so big that obstacles will not stop you. It will just seem like momentary hurdles. So you have to constantly come back and answer the question, where does my true passion live? And if I were true to my passion, what would I be doing? And the answer to that question will guide you as to whether keep, to keep going where you are or to shift direction. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question, sort yeah, of? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're, you're right. Sometimes we keep trying to force something. You know, we beat our head against the wall, doesn't open, doesn't open, doesn't open. And, and you know, our stubbornness keeps us moving rather than maybe, maybe yeah. that's the universe speaking to us, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh. yeah. Can I, can I give you a practical example? Please, please. Yeah. So a few years ago, my partner and I wanted to move to the Big Island of Hawaii, and we found a lovely piece of property, and uh, we were going to come over to sign the paperwork for it. And that day, I received a notice from my uh, mortgage company that my 10-year interest-only period had run out. And now I was going to have to pay principal plus interest, which would more than double the mortgage payments. And um, I thought, I I don't know if I can commit to this brand new property plus keep up my old mortgage payments. So um, Mm. we pulled the plug on that deal. And a couple months later, we found another property for much less money. And we, we were able to make a deal on it. And this new property was a couple, well, about 10, 15 miles closer to the ocean than the mountain property. And wow. when we lived at this ocean property, we looked up at the mountain property, which you could pretty much see from where we were, and it was raining there almost all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so we were being redirected. I mean, the very fact that I got that mortgage notice on that day was a voice saying, this isn't it. Take a breath, stop, step back, reconsider, follow your highest joy, trust that this is not the end, this is just a redirection, carry on. And then um, a a friend of ours just loaned us the money to buy that new property. She said, yeah, I'll help you. Here it is. Pay me back when you can. And um, so the whole thing was, the whole thing was guided. Yeah. And I believe, I believe that we're all, we're all receiving guidance all the time, 
The question is, do we have our antenna up to hear it, and are we acting on it? Mm, I love that. Do we have our antenna up to hear it? You know, you're just reminding me that sometimes I think not getting what we want or what we thought we wanted is actually a bigger blessing. And yeah. Not, you know, in, yeah. in your example, right. the universe was, 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 you know, the universe knows what it's doing, I think, if we're willing to, to yep. trust. And uh, do, do, would you say, and I, this is connected to what you're saying, um, so w- would you agree that if someone is, is like they're facing struggle, they feel like they're struggling and they're struggling and struggling. Would that be a sign from your perspective that they're not on the right path or, or could they still be? Cause I know there's probably some folks that are struggling or is that, or, 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 or could that still mean no, that maybe they're on the right path, but they're doing some other things wrong. Because I look at, let's say uh, Mandela, you know, and I can imagine you know, 27 years out and in prison and I'm sure that wasn't easy, and he persevered. And yeah. uh, but in your like in your example, kind of wanting to flesh it out, it just seemed like there was a flow. I mean, you faced the roadblock, there was a flow. Your friend lent you the money, and things kind of flowed. You know, you were co- cooperating, yeah. but you know, I think like Rocky, you know, uh, Sylvester Stallone getting turned down for Rocky over and over again, and so. Uh, is, 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 is kind of flow a sign or, or can we still be in the flow while struggling? Kind of flesh that out a bit more. Um, well, uh, the experience of struggle is never required. Let, let me flesh that out. Uh-huh. The, the idea of struggling is really antithetical to our spiritual nature and our purpose. Um, there's a wonderful line in the Course of Miracles says, when you have learned how to decide with spirit, making decisions will be as easy as breathing, and you will be led as if down a gentle path in summer, quiet, quiet path of summer. So the idea is that the idea of struggle is it's, it's, it's painful, it's, it's dark, it's heavy, it's burdensome, it's negative, it's there's no fun. So, but it is possible to persevere and take action and be committed without the sense of bucking against something. Um, like Mother Teresa was invited to speak at an anti-war rally and she refused. She said, fighting against war is another form of war. If this was a pro-peace rally, I would come. So mm. it, it's all how you're holding it. If if you're fighting against something and it's an uphill battle, you're like Sisyphus, the Greek uh, mythological <laughs> figure who he rolled a rock up a hill and kept rolling back head down on him. But if you're moving with the current of life, you can face foes, you can overcome obstacles, you can keep moving but you have the sense that the universe is, the wind is at your back instead of, yeah. you, uh, instead of you bucking against something that's bigger than you are. Can you make, you get that mm. distinction? I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I love that quote from the uh, Course of Miracles you just, you just shared too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. Just digesting. I'm curious, you know, also, um, 
in terms of one of the things I see that stops so many people from um, sharing their gifts or writing that book or putting themselves out there is uh, the struggle for to get you know other people's validation and um, approval and what will people think of me and so you know you've written. 20 books, uh, 20 some, 27 books, I think it was, and, uh, you know, seminars and teaching, and you put yourself out there a lot. And so how, how do you deal with that? How have you dealt with that? I'm sure it's been an evolution, and how can those listening in move beyond this sort of craving for validation and, you know, fear of, oh, my God, if I put this work out there? Because it's vulnerable to, I think, put yourself out there and put your gifts out there. There's a, there's a vulnerability in that. To one computer yeah. uh, raw and naked yeah. so how can you do that yeah sure That's... well I, I did a radio show on that recently called Visible and Invincible Visible mm. and Invincible and it's speaking to the idea of being exposed mm-hmm. and you know there's uh, no matter what you do uh, not everybody's going to like you or agree with you I mean look at no, no, Jesus was crucified. Martin Luther King was right. crucified. You know, Gandhi was crucified. I mean, it's, it's not encouraging if you, if you want to be a leader. But, but it's not that encouraging. You know, <laughs> uh, but but actually, those were those were very saintly people whose yeah. whose purpose was much bigger than their body. So mm. not not, to, not just need to be crucified, but. Um, the point is that when you are flowing with spirit, mm-hmm. your confidence in your work far outshines the fear that somebody may not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when, once I did something that was kind of naughty, um, I used to send out a paper newsletter. And um, for, for just as a joke, on, on one of them, I wrote the return address, Immaculate Coinceptions. My name is Cohen, right? C O H N. So I wrote Immaculate Coinceptions. It's a play on Immaculate Conception. Well, yeah. I started getting letters from some nuns and, and, and monasteries saying, hey, man, you're insulting the Catholic Church. And so I thought, oh, I, I was bad. I should never do that again. And I mentioned it at one of my workshops. And a guy said, you know, Alan, he says, if you stop doing stuff like that, I'm not going to like you because I really like that you have a good sense mm. of humor. So now what are you mm. going to do? So I realized mm. that uh, I, there was nothing I could ever do that would please everybody. Mm. And so um, now I just launch and release. And most people like mm. it and some people don't. And if they don't, they're creating their own reality. They, they, they have every right to not like it or find fault or criticize it. But if I know that I've been true to myself, then I know that God is with me. And, you know, what do they say? If God is with you, who can be against you? And, um, you know, it's, it's only the ego. It's only the fearful self that says you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be naked and exposed because um, you know, I've revealed all kinds of things about myself. I've told the most intimate stories of my most you know, into sexual experiences and my, my relationships and on and on and on. And um, mm. people love me more for it because they realize that I'm honest and I'm authentic. So mm. if anything, 
my authenticity has empowered my career more than disempowered it. Mm. I love it. Love it. You know, you actually triggered another question. Uh, in, t- in terms of teaching, you know, going into this field of coaching and teaching, and uh, I, I think there are probably many folks listening in that want to write and be teachers or coaches in some way. Um, what, what, what advice, based on everything you've learned as author, best-selling author, seminar leader, facilitator of personal development, spirituality, for someone who, let's say, they want to go into this field, they want to, to teach and, and, and write books and, and help people, what, what's the best advice you could give to that person? You might be listening to me today based on your learnings. Do it. <laughs> That's my advice. <laughs> uh, because and I, here's what I tell people. and You know, we do a life coach training, and um, mm. as part of the training, people have to apply, and they fill out a short form. And one of the questions is, what fears or apprehensions or concerns do you have about becoming a coach? And I would say two-thirds to three-quarters of people say, who am I to coach? And, Mm. you know, why would people want to pay me? And I have my own issues, and I'm not perfect. And, you know, and I say, look, nobody's perfect. And I say, "If if you knew the secret lives of the top motivational speakers like I do, you would realize that there there are many people who have big problems and they go ahead and teach and succeed anyway. And Mm -hmm. I say, work on yourself, be honest. However, just think of it this way. We live in a world that is consumed by fear, that people are suffering all around the planet. The, The planet is largely insane at this time. And anyone who steps forth with some gift, whether it's motivational speaking or writing or Reiki or massage or aromatherapy or anything like that, anything who has some spiritually founded gift to give is going to be a huge light in contrast to the darkness. And if you can have one person or 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people, the world is going to be in a far better place than if you sat at home waiting to become worthy to give your gift. Mm. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think many times it's easy for some, sometimes I've observed people pointing the finger at other people, uh, but it takes courage to actually, as you said, just do it, step up and say, hey, it's my gift. And uh, so true. The world will be a much better place. As you observed, Alan, uh, kind of as an observer now, maybe as you observed, the, I don't know, the, the 30, 40 years, four decades or so, maybe you've been teaching or more, as you observe um, the spiritual uh, scene, the, the industry, the personal development industry, I'm curious uh, if you've seen any, like what it was like when you started, uh, if you've seen a shift in where people's attention is, what people seem to be more interested in, and ha- how the, the sort of industry has evolved. Have you seen what you've seen, what you've observed? 
mm-hmm. and maybe where you with technology where, where you see where you see things going I and mean, what do you see for the future of like this industry kind of a well, that's an interesting, interesting, interesting question. Yes, thank you. Uh, when I first started in the seventies, um, it was more innocent then, because mm-hmm. uh, the new age and spirituality and new thought and motivational stuff was was fairly new, and so mm-hmm. um, you know there were a number of really good teachers that came on the scene and people flocked around them, and it was kind of more pure and more innocent. It's become a lot more sophisticated, and, and ego has crept mm. in more now. And people are making, yeah. uh, how, how shall I say it? it? It's become more complicated now, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and people know tricks to, um, you know. Like, uh, I, I teach my coaches that your job is to get people to graduate from coaching and flap their own wings. Yes. And then uh, one 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 of my coaches also took another coach, another coaching training. He said, "Well, in that training, like ninety percent of the training was how to keep people coming back to you." And I mm. said, "Those people should be in jail." I mm. said, "You know that that's mm-hmm. not the way this game works." So yes. I think yes. there are more. I think there are more temptations now to get sidetracked because it's become so commercialized and so sophisticated. However, and it's a big however, that if your heart is pure and you really wish to serve and you really have a positive message, the good news is that you know you can reach all kinds of people that you couldn't reach many years ago because just as you said, the technology is here and you're, you're – your 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 podcast reached many 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 thousands of people, mm-hmm. and you couldn't do that yeah. you know twenty or thirty or forty years ago. So, so it's kind of like the stakes are higher. Like if you if you have a good solid pure message, you're really going to soar. And if you have ego or um, you know some kind of temptation to fall to the wayside, <laughs> you're going to get hit in the face with a two by four. So it, it it's in you know in a way it just it's just been become intensified. That that's my humble opinion. Nice, nice, good, good. I think it's great awareness and I would say awareness, uh, warning and uh, opportunity at the same time. You know? Right. Yeah. Dan- it, danger it, it, and opportunity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I mean, it feels like we've we've covered a lot of ground, and I feel like I could keep talking to you, but just to be respectful for time, I've. One, one one question and and you've shared a lot today obviously and um as you look on your entire life experience personal relational you know just just being alive uh for through your years and all the experiences you've had if you were to distill uh the most important lessons that you've learned in your life and they may change if I ask you tomorrow, but if you were to distill the three most important lessons that if you could only pass these lessons, let's say to the next generation, to your kids, their grandchildren and so forth. Uh, I would love to know what Alan Cohen's three life wisdoms yeah. would be that you would like to pass to, to the next generation. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Uh, one is that love is real and fear doesn't work. So listen to the voice of love, trust that, and act on it. That's the most solid lesson. 
Uh, related to that, number two is authenticity. Authenticity works a lot better than any kind of image management. So the truer you are to who you are and where your heart lives and and what you truly believe you're here to do, the more the universe will support you to do and be that. Um, the third piece is that we're not alone. That separation is an illusion. That there is some form of higher power, call it a God or Jehovah or Yahweh or Allah or Christ or whatever you want to call it. There is a reality that far transcends the illusory reality we have co-created. And when we hook up with that higher power called the Tao, the Force, God, whatever you want, so then we have a mighty power behind us and we are empowered and healed and advanced in ways far more, um, uh, far more meaningful than when we just try to do it ourselves as a small yes. separated ego. Yes. Mm. We are not alone. So that's, Beautiful. that's my story Thank and I'm you. sticking to it. I love it. Love is real. Authenticity works better than you know any image management. Be who you are. We are not alone. There is an intelligence far bigger than us. Beautiful. Alan, thank you so much. I mean, just honestly, in my life, I want to thank you personally on record. You know, as I said, as a kid in London, you know, without a lot, I, I, read, I read your book and really, you know, just know you, unbeknownst to you, were inspiring a young little kid yeah. in one of the poorest parts yeah. in London. And so, you know, just wow. thank wow. you so much, you know. Thank you so much Thank for you. just being who you are and for paving the way for people like me. And, you know, one thing I realized about you, I just, I just got to say this one thing. Alan. One thing I realized about you in this conversation, which, which has inspired me, and I don't know if you, maybe you do know, but maybe, you're, maybe it's just natural for you, is after every question, almost every question, you say something. And I realized it really touched me. It, it was just the essence, because after every question, mm. The first time it's happened to me. You say thank you after every single question. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. You know, the, the, the kind of gratitude that I feel. Just, I just ask you a question. Like, thank you. I ask you a question. Thank you. Like, okay, maybe this is a secret. <laughs> so I just well, want to thank you well, for, you know, that, that, that energy because it taught me something, just asking you the question. Well, I am grateful for the questions because they're stimulating, provocative, heartfelt questions. And when you ask a good question, it calls forth hopefully a good answer. So, you know, it seems like you're interviewing me, but it's really a co-creation. It's your consciousness yeah. melded with mine that creates yeah. a chemistry that's bigger than both of us. And, you know, that's yeah. the gestalt, that's the higher reality. And can I make one more comment on that little kid of sitting in, in London? So. You know, I was just uh, uh, sort of a neurotic Jewish guy sitting in a uh, attic in New Jersey when I wrote that book. And, um, you know, I had no idea that it would be carried to you in London. Um, I just knew that I had to do it. And Mm -hmm. I, I did it because I had to do it. And then the angels, the wings of angels, you know, flew to you in London, which was far beyond my command. 
And so, you know, we're giving a message to our listeners that you have no idea where your angels are going to take your your messages. They, they will deliver it to all kinds of places around the planet that you can't even imagine. A Course in Miracles says when you perform a miracle, which basically is any kind of act of love, that it will touch lots of people you never even heard of. And this is the redemption of knowing that when we act, that God is really taking care of us and everyone who can benefit from what we're doing. That that is that is the the X factor that spirit fills in that the human ego or the ego or the mind cannot. So we just have to have trust and confidence that our gifts will find their way to the right and perfect pe- right and perfect places and people. Yes, beautiful folks, you heard it. Soul Talk today, we're getting really uh, to the soul with the amazing one and only Alan Cohen. Uh, So great to have you on. Uh, So if you're listening to this conversation and you're inspired, I really hope you're even more inspired to share your gifts with the world and your voice and your creativity and your art, whatever you feel moved to, because you really don't know who's listening, who's watching, and who and how they will be touched. Well, Alan, thank you so much. Can you assign, uh, you know, a, a simple, quick, uh, practical homework assignment to those listening in? If there's like one, like one thing that they could immediately do now, right now, before, you know, hanging up from this podcast, assign a homework to those listening in. If there's one specific, tangible, sure, thing that folks sure. Do. Thank you. Yeah. After you listen to this podcast, sit quietly for a minute or two or five and ask yourself, what is my spirit calling me to do that I have not been doing? And what would be the next step I could take to follow my guidance, my, my heartfelt, mm-hmm. excited, passionate guidance? and then act on it. And that's the thing that attracts miracles. Beautiful. Folks, you heard the homework assignment. What is my spirit calling me to do? Feel the guidance. Act on it. I would love for you to send me an email, folks, coopblackson.com. Let me know uh, the outcome of this homework assignment assigned by Alan Cohen. I would love to hear from you. I would also love to hear your key takeaways from today's amazing episode, what you received, what you got and how you plan to apply it into your life. Alan, this has been a joy. It's been a dream and a joy. What is the best way that those listening in, listening in can find out about you and your work? Obviously, there's your books. They can find your books on Amazon, but what's the best website that people can go to? Uh, just go to my name, alancohen.com, A-L-A-N-C-O-H-E-N.com. Wonderful. Alan Cohen. And, and Coot, before we oh. hang up, I really want to honor you because uh, I've watched some of your videos. I'm just getting to know you and your work, and I'm really, really impressed. I just love your energy and your authenticity, and you are you are truly a force for transformation. So I'm your I'm your huge cheerleader. Thank you. Uh, thank you, man. Well, I'm I'm touched. I'm touched. Folks, we'll we'll post. Uh, uh, all the links, uh, Alan Cohen's website, alancohen.com, in the show notes. Definitely encourage you to check out his work, check out what he's up to, his books, events, seminars. You will be blessed. And uh, please, folks, also do share this episode. Download it. Share it with all of your friends and family and uh, post on social media. We want to 
keep inspiring your soul and the souls of all you love. Until next week, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.